0: We're in week three of of the Helper series. We um, didn't meet. Last week we had Sanctity of Life. So let's just kind of go back a couple weeks, right? Let's talk about kind of where we are, especially if this is your first time here. You're like, the Helper series, what in the world is that? We are in a series right now talking about the Holy Spirit. Kind of how does the Helper help us, right? And what we learned in the first week is this. We learned that we we need the Helper. He's called the Helper because we need help. Now, I'm going to give you permission right now to look at the people next to you. Go ahead. Just, just look at them. Check them out. How many of you are sitting next to somebody right now, and you're like, dude, they need help, right? Yeah, yeah. They think the same thing about you. It's all good, right? What we know is you're in a place with people who need help, right? So God knew that. He's smart because he's God, and he's like, these jokers are going to need some help. I'm going to send the helper. So we learned right away, right up front, man, we need the helper, and that's why he's called the helper. We need help. And then two weeks ago, we talked about who is the helper, and here's why we talked about who is the helper, because not many of us would accept help from a stranger. It's, It's hard to trust somebody that you don't know. So we've got to know who is the helper so that we can receive from him the help that he gives. A lot of people have talked to me since that teaching, and here's what they've said. I'm so glad that you taught us on that because I know that the Holy Spirit's not like a force, a power, and it. But when you talked about how, and that's terrible I'm saying this again, but when you talked about how you called your sister it for two weeks, like something clicked in my head and went, oh, wait a second, I do that to the Holy Spirit. What we learned is that the Holy Spirit is God, right? And He's a person, He feels, grieves, longs, just like we do. He's a person. And not only that, he wants to be our friend. And so when we know that somebody's our friend, when we know that they're for us, then when they offer help to us, it's a lot easier to receive it, isn't it? Like, if somebody that you don't know, especially if you're a lady, and a guy walks up and he's like, hey, baby, I got some help for you. Like, and I got the police for you, dude, right? You're calling the cops. Like, come now. Like, we got to trust. There's got to be a relationship there if we're going to trust the help that he gives. And so we've talked about that to this point. Um, if you've missed any of these teachings, they're online. And that one especially, about who the Holy Spirit is, it's, it's well worth the 35, 40 minutes or whatever it would take to watch it. Um, just go to thegatheringnow.com. It's on our page on the Helper page, and you can watch that one. It'd be great for you to catch up on that. Um, But here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to kind of, now that we've laid that foundation, we know who the Holy Spirit is. Let's talk about what the Holy Spirit wants to do. What does the Helper want to do? And I'm sure that there's a gazillion things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, but I'm going to talk about four. Is that cool? Just four things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. You've got a note sheet, probably. And so here's the first one. The first thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do It's the Helper teaches us. He teaches us. Um, He teaches us in John 14, 26. We've read this a couple times throughout this series. We'll read it more as we go along. John 14, 26, Jesus is talking, and Jesus says this. He says, but the counselor, that's the word that we get, it means advocate, comforter, counselor, it means helper. But the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll teach you all things. You've got to remember the, the context of what's going on in John 14, 15, and 16. I mentioned to you this a couple of weeks ago. This is the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross to die. Okay, now we can't wrap our brains around that because how many of you have been to a cross to die? Yeah, exactly. Well, I've been to Norwood, but that's not the same thing, right? Okay, this is like, how many of you have pa- your parents, you got teenagers? Any, any parents and teenagers in the house? Okay, so what's going on in John 14, 15, 16? This is the conversation that parents have with their teenagers the night that they're going out for the first time to leave the kids alone by themselves for the first time. And so it goes kind of like this. Uh, hey, hey, kids, come here. Uh, we we got to have a conversation. This stuff's really, really important. Your mom and I are leaving, you alone. And so we've written down a bunch of of numbers for you to call, but the most important one is this. Watch what I do, kids. Are you watching, kids? Are you watching? And the kids are doing this, texting their friends. Mom, Dad are going out. We're going to be by myself. This is going to be great. (laughs) Parents are like, kids, put the phone down. Watch what I do. If there's any trouble, pick up this phone and dial 911. I'm going to do it again, kids. Watch. 911. Stop texting. One more time. See, because like you're leaving and you're like, focus on me. Focus on me. I remember sitting at my computer one time when Parker was really small and he was doing something like kids do, like they're building something and it's like in their mind it's the Taj Mahal, but it's like three blocks, whatever, you know? And he's like, Dad, look at me, look at me. And I didn't want to, I was just like, Oh, I'm looking, buddy, I'm looking. And he goes, Dad, with your eyes. Like John 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus looking at his disciples saying, Look at me, pay attention with your eyes, with your listen to me. This is important. I'm fixing to go die. This is important. And Jesus says this: He says, I've got a lot to tell you. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the helper is going to teach you. Well, he says, everything. He's going to teach you all things. What specifically does the Holy Spirit teach us? One, he teaches us about God. He teaches us about God. Um, turn to First Corinthians, just a couple, of ver- couple books over. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. It's going to sound a little bit weird, okay, but let us just work through it. Paul writes this in verse 9. However, as it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, right? Raise your hand if you understand every single thing that God's doing in your life right now. Let me give you a second to think about it. That's what Paul's writing about. It sounds weird because it's like written, like in my Bible, it looks like a poem kind of. It doesn't even rhyme. It's just weird, like poems that don't rhyme, whatever. He's just saying this. It's impossible as a human to understand everything God's doing. So if you don't understand everything that's happening, you need somebody to teach you, explain it, right? And so what does Paul say in the very next verse, verse 10? But God has revealed it to us by who? His spirit, that's, that's the helper. The helper teaches us. He teaches us about God. It says, The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The helper wants to teach us about God. The helper wants to teach us. Through God's word. You're in 1 Corinthians 2. Keep your finger there. Go about three or four books to the right. Second Peter. Maybe it's more than that. You've got to go through the whole Gentiles eat pork chops part. <laughs> I love that. Gentiles eat pork chops. Second Peter. Chapter 1. Peter writes this in verses 20 and 21. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. So basically, here's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, the prophecies that you hold, the Scriptures that you hold, this, the Bible that you hold, this did not come about because a bunch of men got together and went, hey, let's write a book. He goes on to explain how this happened. Verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Man, this, this book, this collection of 66 books, this is written by the Holy Spirit. I, are you a reader? Who's a reader? You ever read books and you get to a section where you're like, I wonder what the author's trying to say, because I don't understand. Like If you're doing the helper devotionals, I wrote those, so it's very possible that like, maybe every other day or maybe on a daily basis you read it and go, what is Paul what's he trying to say? Right? It's like in Nemo, you're talking, but I can't understand you. Sometimes I read books and I think, if I could just sit down with the author for five minutes, I could just ask him, what were you trying to say here? And they could explain it. What we just read in Second Peter, man, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Every single day we read the Bible, we can actually ask the author, help me understand this. Now, flip back, if you're still there, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14, Paul says this, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Man, the Spirit of God helps us understand the Word of God. I love that. Um, I'm not, really not making fun. I'm just trying to make a point. But Have you ever, you ever talked to somebody that's not a Christian about verses in the Bible? And they're so clear to you, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And they're just like, huh? What? Like, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Right? Like you're, just, And they're just like, what? And it's not because they're stupid. It's not because they're idiots. It's because what Paul just wrote here. The Word of God is understood through the Spirit, not through the brain. I mean, our brains are going to be used, but... We understand spiritually what's happening in the Bible because the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Word of God. I love that. He teaches us. John 14, 26, back there again, the second thing that he does. He teaches us, but he also says that he reminds us of everything I have said to you. I love that. Maybe because I'm forgetful, right? Right? Wendy's mom will call me, and she'll say, "Paul, like this is really important. Tell Wendy." And I'll say, "Yes, ma'am. I'll do it." And then, like, Wendy can walk in the door ten minutes later, and then her mom will call an hour later. "Hey, did Paul tell you?" And I hear Wendy go, "Did Paul tell me what?" And I'm like, "Oh crap! I forgot again, right? Like, what? Am, what is my problem? I don't know. If you're married, like, are you the forget one, the forgetful one? Or are you the one that remembers what they forgot, right? I mean, man." I'm so thankful that God, in all of his infinite wisdom, through Jesus, looked at a bunch of yahoos that were his disciples and said this, listen, this stuff's really important, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to teach you. He's also going to remind you because I know you, and you're probably going to forget. When I was in seminary, they told us this, you'll never remember everything that you're learning. Coming to seminary and learning is like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. I said, the best thing you can do is remember where to go to remember what you forgot. <laughs> and that's really what's going on here, isn't it? God in his wisdom's like, I know you're a man. I know you're going to forget. And so the Holy Spirit's going to teach you and he's going to remind you. I don't know how you were in school, what your grades were like, but I can guarantee you this. Our grades would have been a whole lot better if during every test the teacher had sat next to us and whispered reminders about what we were taking the test on. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us. He reminds us of the things that he taught us. He reminds us of the things that Jesus said. Now, this is really important. I want you to hang with me, okay? I was raised as a church mutt, right? So I've got Methodists. I've got some Baptists. I've got some Reformed. i got Pentecostal. I mean, I got, it's all in there. Shake it up, and boom, here I am, right? But my years in the Pentecostal church, these are the people that I met. What are you doing? I'm just waiting for God to zap me. Okay, can I wait with you? Sure. When's he going to do it? Any moment now. What happens when he zaps us? We'll know everything. Should we read the Bible? Uh, only if you feel like it. That, I mean, I'm not ragging him, but that was my experience, Right? Listen, what did Jesus say? The helper will come and he will teach you. And then he will remind you of the things that I have said. The words of Jesus are what we call, okay, the Bible, right? The Holy Spirit reminds us of what we've been told. He reminds us of what we've read. You cannot separate the Spirit of God from the Word of God. And I know so many people that want to just short-circuit this, right? Because it's hard work to read the Bible. And granted, Leviticus is tough. I'll give you that, right? I don't understand it, doesn't make any sense to me Okay, first get a version you understand Okay, the message is great, if that's where you need to start, right Find something you can understand and just read it Well, it's just easier if I just Zap me Jesus But that's not how God operates See When I was raised in Parker, Will, and Sydney, and they were younger And they were like, you know, second, third grade On the way to school, if I knew they had a test I would review them in the car Do you do this, parents? It's stressful, isn't it? Because you start to ask them questions, and then they're like, uh, so what do you do? You beat them to a pulp. No, you don't. You, you remind them, don't you? You play the role of the Holy Spirit, and so you say, well, remember, it's like this, and you kind of give them hints, don't you? And if they studied and forgot, when you give them the hint, they go, oh, yeah, and then they'll tell you the answer. But so many times, I would drop the hint, and I would hear, uh which says, dude, you didn't study. Because I can't remind you of something you didn't forget because you never knew it to start with. That's the church, man, I'm telling you. That's how we've become with the Holy Spirit. He's a short circuit from being a disciple. If he'll just zap me, I don't have to read the Bible. That's not how he works. And what you're going to see as we go forward in this series is that God is doing something in us because he wants to send us to do something through us. that, that What we watch the, the kids act out. Man, this is where some of us have been our whole lives. We're having this fantastic service. Oh, I feel the Spirit. It's fantastic. I love it. But he wants to send you to the nations. So that they also can experience Christ. And he does that because we're full of the Word of God. If you want to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be fed by the Word. That's the way it works. You can't have one without the other. He's he's reminding us of the things that Jesus has already said. The question for us is this. Have we learned anything to be forgotten? Have we even learned anything to be forgotten? Here's the third thing that he does. This is probably the most important one. He transforms us. The helper transforms us. So many people, and again, I'm talking from my perspective, right? This may not be your perspective, but it's mine. So many people want to take the power of the Holy Spirit and just begin to use it on other people, right? Like, I've got, and we'll get, um, we'll get all these gifts in a couple weeks. I've got the gift of wisdom, and God has revealed to me that you're an idiot, <laughs> right? Right? We, we want to take the power of the Holy Spirit and use it on other people. But what I'm learning as I study the Helper, and what we're going to see as we walk through the series, is that most of what the Holy Spirit does is an inside job. Yep. He's worried about your junk, not your neighbor's. He's transforming you and me first. Let, let me just read to you a kind of a weird passage. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's... Conveniently located after 1 Corinthians, if you're looking for it. Second Corinthians chapter 3, here's what Paul writes. And this, I'm going I'll read it and try to help you understand what's going on. Verse 12. We'll start there. Chapter 2 Corinthians 3 12. Paul says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. And he's been talking about kind of the glory that Jesus brings. Verse 13, we are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Now, what he's talking about is this. that's weird, like glory veils, all that kind of stuff. Was Moses at a wedding? (laughs) No. So Moses would go up on the mountain to meet with God, and Moses would get so close to God and such glory from God, it would actually shine off of Moses' face. And so Moses would come down off the mountain, and he would not need the flashlight app, right? Because his face is like glowing, which would be awesome, wouldn't it? Go to, like hanging out, walking on campus right at nighttime. And people are like, dude, what, what is up? Like radioactive? What's going on? Just glowing. And the people are like, I can't handle that. I can't handle They would make Moses put a veil over his face so that they could stand to be around him. Continuing on. Now the Lord is the Spirit, the Helper. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Helper is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit is free, men are free. Verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Man, Listen. There's a lot of stuff we could unpack there, okay? So let's just break it down and make it real simple. There are barriers between us and the glory of God. There are barriers between people that you work with. There are barriers between them and the glory of God. And sometimes we're the barrier, right? Um, Now, I'm not knocking this. If this is the form of evangelism that God has called you to do, and I'm going to tell you, man, if it is, do it with all the passion you have. But I'm going to tell you right now, for most people... A guy on a street corner with a bullhorn telling you that you're going to hell is a barrier between us and the glory of God. Most people are not going to respond well to that, okay? Doesn't mean God can't use it. Doesn't mean he can't can't sanctify it. But most people, if somebody's yelling at them about how bad they are and where they're going to go spend eternity, they're like, dude, I'm, I'm not even listening. Veil over the face, done. But what is the Holy Spirit wanting to do with us? The Helper wants to transform us in such a way... That we have the veil taken off and that the glory of God in us is received by the people who need him. He removes that veil. He transforms us on the inside. That's what the helper wants to do. And here's why the helper wants to do it. Because when he transforms us to look like Jesus, he's able to send us to a world that needs to see Jesus. And I know like earlier you take the person out next to you and we all know that they need help. But what they really need is to look like Jesus. And when we look like Jesus and we go present Jesus, the world goes, oh. And isn't that what happens? The bullhorn dude on the corner that's telling you that you're going to hell? Isn't the reason why your friend won't listen to them? Because your friend will turn to you and say, I don't think Jesus would do that. So when the church is all about what we do and never about the poor and the hurting, people in the world look at the church and go, I don't think Jesus would do that. Right? Because when we don't look like Jesus, they don't believe that we know Jesus. And so the, transform, the transformation, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to transform us. So that when we open our mouths and talk about Jesus, people say, I get it. I see that in you. I can believe you because you're changing. And He comes to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. The question then is... Um, why? Why does he do that? Well, remember back when we did the, the book, the series in Ephesians, and we talked about the dividing wall? I don't know if you're here for that or not, but so there was this dividing wall back in the day, right? And so on one side were the Gentiles, on the other side were the Israelites. So we don't know what that means. So on one side were the Tar Heels, and the other side were the Duke Blue Devils, okay? And there was this literally, it was the dividing wall, about was about this high, and it kept the two from mixing because if they ever crossed that, wall, they were going to fight, right? It is a lot like Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. So Jesus came, it says in Ephesians, that Jesus came to do one thing, to knock that wall down. That he tore the wall down and he reconciled men back to God and men to one another. He said that we're not going to have a dividing wall, we're going to be one. I love that. Now, not the whole world won, but the people that love Jesus won, right? And so here, why would the Holy Spirit go to such lengths to transform us into the likeness of Jesus for one reason. He wants to do something through us in a world that needs to be reconciled to God and to each other. He wants us now to go and remove the veil. He's always taken the veil away. Jesus rips the veil apart, and now God wants to pull the veil off of us. He does not want people to have barriers between Him and their salvation. He's sending us to the world. He teaches us, He reminds us, He leads us all, he, 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 he transforms us all because the last one is He wants to lead us somewhere. And this is where we're going to start to turn in the series and start to head to, you know, not only what does the Helper do, but what does the Helper want us to do? And what does the Helper give us to help us do what the Helper wants us to do? So the first thing, He, he wants to lead us. The helper, I'm telling you right now, is not about transforming you and me so that we can sit in a safe church and tell each other how great we are. I mean, y'all are great, right? You're great. I was telling like, the early, the first service, I was telling like, here's what the Holy Spirit does not want to do. He does not want to give us gifts so that we'll look and go, dude, like, you're the best singer I've ever heard in my life. Nobody can break down, like, the Ten Commandments from memory better than you can. Like I watched my daughter was doing the flags, like she's got an amazing gift, doesn't she? Like twirl the flag without hitting your dad. It's an amazing gift that she has, isn't it? I mean, she was so close a number of times, but she's got this gift and it's from the helper and wow. But man, that's not why he's transforming you. He's transforming you because he wants to lead you to a world that needs to be transformed. Your big idea is this. The helper transforms us into transformers. And if you're like me and you've seen the Transformer movie, like you're already seeing Bumblebee in your head, right? And like if I could just transform myself like into it, that'd be so cool. But I can't do that. But that's what he's doing. He's transforming us into transformers. He's doing something inside us. It's an inside job because you're going to see in the weeks to come, he's getting ready to send us out. This is why I told you at the very beginning, the warning and the disclaimer was this, that studying about the Holy Spirit is like lighting a stick of dynamite and throwing it in the room. Because when He blows up, He moves us. We're going to be moved. I told you early on, look at the people next to you. They may not be here in a year. Not because they're mad at me. I mean, I guess that's a possibility. But why? Why would you be mad at me? I'm such a lovable, adorable guy. But because the the helper is going to say i got a job for you to do he wants to lead us he wants to lead us to people who need to be led to jesus john 16:13 last verse and then i'll read you a story and we'll pray john 16:13 this is the last chapter of the last this is this is the end of the hey kids 911 right this is the end of that whole conversation And here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Look at verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, that's the helper. He will guide you. And we're going to see that he's going to guide us into two things. He says, one, he's going to guide you into all truth. Now, I know all truth is a huge all truth, right? And I can't necessarily prove it from scripture. I just, I feel like this is what God probably does. You weigh it for yourself. I think that sometimes we love to let him use us to speak truth to other people. Like we'll say this, God has given me the gift of wisdom to know that you, sir, are an idiot. But I don't think that's how the Holy Spirit operates. I think that the Holy Spirit leads us into truth about ourselves. He shows us who we are. It's an inside job. I think he's called the comforter because when he shows me the truth about who I really am, I need to be comforted. It's an inside job. He leads us to the truth. And then the last thing he leads us to in this verse, I love, he says, he will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears in the end of John 16, 13, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, if you read the New Living Translation, I love that translation. It says this, and he will speak to you about the future. I mean, how many of you right now would love to know the future? Oh, just me. I find myself sometimes now getting up in the morning and in my quiet time. I will say this to the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen today, but you do. Give me a clue, right? Let me know where the policeman's parked so I can can (laughs) throttle down at just the right time. (laughs) which he did not do a couple weeks ago, and I got a speeding ticket for going too fast in a school zone. Thank you, Jesus. I feel your pain. Yes. Hmm. Does that just negate everything I've said to this point? Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I want to read you a story. I love to read stories. I am, this is one of the things I'm doing, this this I kicked the year off doing this 40-day prayer challenge with, um, Mark Batterson wrote a book called The Circle Maker. It's a great book. If you've not read it, you need to get it. I think we have some down in square one. Just grab it and read it. But this is a 40-day thing called Draw the Circle. It's just a prayer challenge. And I read this story this week. It's the perfect illustration to what we're talking about. So is it cool if I just read to you a couple pages? All right, here we go. Get comfortable. I'll get my best James Earl Jones voice. This is it. This is the best I got. Here we go. He says, my dear friend, Dr. George Wood, who is the uh, superintendent over all the Assemblies of God, which is the denomination that we're part of. He has an amazing painting in his office of an, Af- of an African man standing on a high hillside overlooking the ocean. There's a large steamship on the horizon and a smaller canoe coming toward the shoreline. And in this instance, the story is worth a thousand words. It symbolizes the importance of going before we're set or ready. Here's the story. In 1908, newly commissioned missionaries John and Jesse Perkins were on board a steamship Rounding the coast of Liberia. They knew that God had called them to Africa. But like Abraham, they didn't know exactly where God wanted them to go. So they purchased tickets and trusted that God would tell them where to get off. As the ship made its way around Garraway Point, they sensed the Holy Spirit was prompting them to get off the ship. Unknown to the Perkinses, there was a young man living in the region named Jasper Toe. That's his real name, Jasper Toe. He was a God-fearing man. He practiced the religious rituals passed down by his ancestors, but he had never heard the name of Jesus. One night, he looked into the night sky, and he prayed a simple prayer. If there is a God in heaven, help me find you. As Jasper stood under the stars, a voice he had never heard before spoke to him. Go to Garaway Beach. You'll see a box on the water with smoke coming out of it. And from that box on the water will come some people in a small box, and these people in the small box will tell you how to find me. Jasper Toe traveled seven days on foot to Garraway Beach, arriving on Christmas Day, 1908. From the shore, he saw a black box, a steamship, floating on the water with smoke coming out of it. And that is when John Perkins and his wife sensed the Holy Spirit saying, Get off the ship here. This is where I want you to go. When When they went to the captain of the ship and asked to be let off the boat, he said, I can't let you off the boat here. This is cannibal country. People go in there and they never come back. John Perkins insisted, God wants us to get off the boat. The captain brought the steamship to a halt, and the Perkinses were placed in a mammy chair that swung them over the side of the ship. They got into a canoe along with all their belongings, and they rowed to shore in that little box. When they got to the shore, Jasper Toe was waiting to welcome them. He motioned for them to follow him, and they did. They could not speak each other's language, but the Perkinses followed Jasper Toe all the way back to his village. They eventually learned the language of the people there. They started the first church in that village. And Jasper Toe was their first convert. Those who knew Jasper Toe described him as one of the most godly men they'd ever met. And his legacy is the hundreds of churches he helped to establish in the country of Liberia. What if the Perkinses, Perkinses had ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit? What if they had dismissed that God idea as a bad idea? What if they had asked why? Instead of asking why not. What if they had decided to play it safe. And stay on the ship. I'm sure God could have intervened in another way. I would like to think that he would have. But who can calculate the opportunity cost. When we ignore the promptings of the spirit. And miss divine appointments. Faith is not faith. Until it is acted on. This is what I believe the helper. Is going to do in our church. I don't know if you're going to meet a guy named Jasper Toe. I don't know. But I believe that he's going to move us out. Let me ask you this question. In that story, like the kids that danced at the very beginning, when when they, when they said, look, God, here we are. Give us your presence and then send us out. The presence changes everything, right? Here are two missionaries that fully believe this. When the Holy Spirit's in me and we walk into the room, everything changes. But if they had not been taught by the Spirit, If they had not been reminded by the Spirit, had been transformed by the Spirit, I believe this. There's no way that couple would have ever been led by the Spirit off of a comfortable boat to a land full of cannibals. But because they had been changed by the Spirit, they were ready. This morning, here's how we're going to end. We're going to end with awkwardness. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to give you the chance just to kind of close your eyes and just be with the Helper and just allow Him to speak to you just for a moment about what He might want to do in your life. I'm going to allow you to spend some time with Him and let Him kind of start to light this dynamite right inside your soul and begin to move you in passion towards what He has for you to do. He is transforming us into carriers of his transforming power he transforms us into transformers so i'm just gonna let phil come and just play a little bit and we're just gonna be silent and let the helper speak and then we'll close up in just a minute i believe this i believe that when we read stories like that Those of us that follow Jesus, we find ourselves, man, something just jumps inside us, and we're like, God, I want that to be a story of my life. And I'm going to give you permission in just a moment to respond to God without understanding anything, without knowing the plan, without knowing everything He wants you to do. I'm going to give you the chance to respond simply to this, man, I want my... I want that story to happen in my life. And if that's you, nobody's looking around, my eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you are. I'm going to ask you to put both hands in the air. And I'm going to pray over you. God we have no idea where you will take us but we want to get on the boat just to trust you to lead us where you want us to go we are going to God ask you to reignite in us a passion for your word because as we're fed by your word we'll be led by your spirit God we we can't have one without the other. And so I pray over this house, God, that these people that are standing with their hands raised to you, that you would impart to them now, God, a a passion and a hunger for your word, God, like we've not had in a long time, that we would literally become people who devour your truth who cannot get enough of these 66 books that we read, that they would become life to us and not just letters. God, that they would become your way of communicating to us and that they would fill us, God, so that we would be ready in those moments for you to teach and remind us of what Jesus said, so that we could be in that place with you where the word on the inside of us begins to transform who we are. So that we will be ready to be led by you to places and people who are in darkness and need you. That, God, is my prayer for these people. That the gathering, God, would be a place where we are sent out from. Where we gather in grace and go with grace. That that would be who we are. And God, however, you want to do that, we don't want to be a church that puts disclaimers on what you want to do. We just want to be people that say, in just honest desperation, I don't know what it's going to look like, but God, do something amazing through my life by your Spirit. Thank you for giving us the helper. Thank you for transforming us. May we, like Moses, Have our faces and our souls shine, God, with your glory in such a way that it is received without any barrier by the people that you love and want to reach. We ask all these things, God, in your name, Jesus. Amen.